you're gonna get free this time Falling into a blue sky mind Came to me in that song, my friend I just wanna go back again Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Shreeponia's One Breath Podcast. Our guest is Will Hall, activist and advocate for folks recovering from psychiatric medication. People who are looking to recover, to regain their lives, regain their peace of mind, and regain their freedom. Will shares deeply of his own experience, which included being over-prescribed or inappropriately prescribed psychiatric medications and included incarceration for a period of time. He's dedicated his life to supporting and assisting those looking for relief, looking for support, looking for a community, looking for the love in someone's heart and the light in someone's eyes to stay on. And with Will, both of those are true. I'd like to also give a shout out to Trevor Hall for our introduction music, Blue Sky Mind. What an amazing singer-songwriter. And the message of Blue Sky Mind speaks directly to the work of Sri Ponya. Uh, Will and I had scheduled a Facebook Live event that uh, from another platform that just didn't work. So we decided to uh, to uh, call an audible and record a Zoom call. So instead of being frustrated and um, you know feeling like life had dealt us a, a bad a bad hand, uh, we decided to you just make the move and and. Uh, record this call with one another and then post it on social media. And um, so I, I provide that as a, as a, uh, as an introduction because Will and I are having this conversation uh, due to a, uh, an event that we have coming up that Will is going to be moderating and facilitating on behalf of Shreeponia uh, on May 19th. Uh, starting at two o'clock at the SCP Hotel in Redmond, Oregon. Um, and Will, thank you for being willing to come to our humble our humble town and spend some time with us. And I'd like to just ask you to share with uh, the viewers what what you're intending to to bring and why, and then. I would like to also spend some time talking about your personal story as well. Great. Yeah. Well, um, Greg and everyone from Sri Ponya, thank you for inviting me. I, I really encourage people if you can join us on the 19th, that'll be really wonderful. And I'm really inspired because I think that the communities across the country need more conversations about mental health and especially medications and the choices that we have around medications. Often these can be difficult conversations. So I just want to welcome everybody. If you're taking psychiatric medications, if you're not taking psychiatric medications, if you're considering taking, if you're on and you don't want to be taking, 
all of those voices are welcome in this conversation. And, you know, my own um, involvement with this issue began as a, a patient in the system. And I, I, some people are helped by the services they receive, and I was not. And I was really harmed, um, both by the hospitalization and, and the force. Um, a lot of things were done against my choice. And, uh, and then the medications also. So I got involved with the patients movement. I got involved in developing uh, mutual aid support groups. And we did a lot of work um, for many years in Western Massachusetts. I then moved out to Oregon. I actually lived in Portland. So Eastern mm -hmm. Oregon is one of my favorite places in the sure. world. Um, so I'm very happy to be visiting. And we found that there's a great need. There's a great need. Um, prescribers of psych meds sometimes just spend 15 minutes for a prescription interview. And um, the entire conversation is often dominated by commercial interests and pharmaceutical companies. Not only do they have a in financial incentive to sell as many pills as possible, but they also have, haven't been honest. And there's been quite a lot of corruption uh, on the, some that they've been caught doing. There's been a lot of fines but also um, there's a lot of conflict of interest. So we're not getting um, good information easily available mm. to us. So my goal coming out there is really to have people have a space where a lots of different viewpoints and different understandings can come together and we can have a conversation and maybe learn all of us how to make smarter choices, safer choices for ourselves and for the people um, that we're connected to, because this really this really affects all of us. Um, I there's so much um, psychiatric medication, and there's so much um, distress. There's so much depression. There's so much anxiety. Uh, people are suff suffering with substance abuse. People are also sometimes uh, go into uh, very difficult states that get called psychosis or bipolar or schizophrenia, and we don't have enough open conversations about that. So I'm I'm really coming to learn from the community and also offer what um, some of my experience, both personally and in the work that I've done. I'm also a therapist now and I do, um, I'm doing PhD work on medications as well. So I'm really, um, I'm grateful to being invited. This is what I, I really feel called and inspired to do. Yeah, you and you have had, your journey began as, as, uh, it, as part of your experience in your life, having gone through the challenges of having been diagnosed with a, a mental illness and, and then the experience of actually being um, admitted to a facility and, and then put on uh, psychiatric medications without full disclosure of exactly what was occurring and then you've gone on to 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 get educated so that you have a, the wherewithal to speak with some authority regarding what's occurring in the world yeah i have a I have a broader experience i've studied this quite a lot but ultimately the authority is within each of us mm -hmm. and so each of us has to have a relationship that we um discover that really is optimal for us. And um, psychiatric medications are, are drugs. They are drugs. They're 
marketed as treatments. They're marketed as kind of magical, mysterious, powerful chemical balancers, but essentially they're drugs. And um, you're right, I was not given proper, complete, informed consent when I was put on um, antidepressants. I was on antipsychotics. Um, I was on anti-anxiety drugs. I was also on lithium for a while. I was hospitalized, um, I think, four times, four or five times. Mm. And um, there's no question I was I was in very severe distress. Um, I, you know, looking back, it makes a lot of sense because there was a lot of trauma in my childhood. Both of my parents are trauma survivors. But when I finally ended up in the hospital, they didn't ask me any of that. They just basically mm. had a, a checklist. Are you depressed? Are you anxious? Are you hearing voices? Are you suicidal? And they just checked the boxes. And Okay, now we're going to give you medications to stabilize you. And it, it really is, it's, it's, when you start to study it, it's, it's kind of shocking how much misunderstanding. There's, there's this idea that people who are in a mental health crisis are basically like having an elevated heart rate or they have sepsis in their blood or they have a fever and you just have to kind of bring it down and stabilize. But that's not how emotions work. Emotions work by feeling isolated, connecting, having memories, trauma, working through the feelings, working through the conflicting beliefs, working through the emotions that are going on, getting grounded. So the entire mental health system is, is for, for many, many people, is very wrong-headed. It's a very, you don't get the listening that you need. I mean, if I, broke, if I break my arm, I just want to go to the ER, just don't listen to me, just figure out which arm hurts, and give me an x-ray and just right. fix it as quickly as possible. That's the framework. That's the paradigm. Stabilize, get people's symptoms under control. And um, fortunately, there is, a, I discovered this movement. There is a movement, not just of patients, but also of psychiatrists, of nurses, of doctors, family members who are saying, wait a second, this is, the system is really crazy. We need something very different. And I'm very, very grateful for the recovery movement and the 12-step movement for giving us a model of people who have suffered tremendously with um, substance dependence and then move through that and then are able to help other people because I really, this is really what helped me, other patients who we could share our experiences with each other. Um, and yeah, I was, di I was diagnosed with schizophrenia, the big, bad, scary word. They came in, they said, you know, I was in um, Langley Porter Psychiatric Institute, which is University of California, San Francisco Medical Center. So this is like a top tier uh, medical school, training school hospital. They did all these tests on me. They did, you know, all this observation and they brought me in and the two residents and then the chief chief psycho psychometrist or the the testing the guy who mm -hmm. does the test the psychiatrist who runs the testing he was there and they said yeah mr hall we've you know we've done all these tests we've reached this um the results are in you have a kind of schizophrenia called schizoaffective disorder there's no cure you'll need to be on medications for the rest of your life you we need you need to not have stressful jobs you need to like really rethink your future and it really was like a um like casting a spell on me. It was like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, yeah. because that's a that's a terrible message of hopelessness. And I was very conflicted because I wanted help. I knew that I was 
overwhelmed by voices. I was overwhelmed by suicidal feelings. I, I believe that the devil was coming after me. I was so afraid of my roommates that I left out the window of our apartment so they wouldn't um, they wouldn't see me. So I needed help. I was definitely suffering. Mm. But what was on offer um, really ended up, I think, putting me in danger. I don't I don't think I would be here today doing the work that I'm doing if I had stayed on the antipsychotics. They're very toxic drugs. They cause long, lots of long-term um, problems. I'm not anti-medication because like I said, you know, each of us has the truth within us. So some people, I have a very good friend who, um, you know, he had come off of his medications. He was doing great for years. And then he went into an altered state and he was a, he was a, a leader in the patient survivor movement. He was working with helping people come off medications. And at that time in his life, the only thing that worked was medications to help him get stable. So, um, you know, I'm not anti-medication. I take a more of a harm reduction approach. And we know that for some people, like I'm someone who basically, I basically can't drink alcohol. I don't, I just, it doesn't work for me to have alcohol in my life. And yeah. I learned that, you know, uh, I learned I that. I, I share that dilemma. That's, okay. Well, yeah, I learned, yeah, I learned yeah. it the hard way. You know, I learned, <laughs> I learned it through my own experience, but other people, they, you know, they can drink alcohol or they drink, they find a way I'm just too sensitive or whatever. I also, I don't, I don't do caffeine. You know, I have very limited sugar and it's just because I've learned that I have my own wisdom that my body is teaching me. So that's kind of a harm reduction. It's a harm reduction approach. You, you work with each person where they're at, if abstinence is right for you, okay. But if not, then, and that takes time to explore and develop and understand. It fundamentally takes listening. Um, so, so I'm really honored to do this work. It really feels like I was drafted into it. I mean, I wasn't didn't, wasn't imagining I was going to start doing this work, but it just is how my life uh, unfolded. I'm really grateful that I'm able to take some of what I learned in my own recovery, in my process, and then turn it around and be able to offer uh, offer it to other people. Yeah. At, you know, at the time you began your journey, there probably were not, you, you probably weren't finding advocates within the psychiatric community or the mental health community for you to, to embark upon um, your own journey. Where did you find the courage, Will, to say there's something, something's wrong, yeah, I am going to I'm going to follow my own my own inner knowing and begin this process. Um, and then as you began it. How the hell you must have had some some uh, withdrawal effects, some things occurring that you had to have questioned whether or not you were on the right track. How did that happen for you? Because that, I mean, that took courage it, and then the commitment to stay, to stay the course when you were experiencing the, oh my God, what's going on now? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really great um, question. So it's, it is, you're right. It is better now. There is more, I think, visibility for holistic and alternative and advocate recovery movement approaches the peer movement is now uh, more available and visible to people um my own path was that basically i was all in on psychiatry i was taking the drugs i was going to the groups i was in the hospital i was going along with it and it just didn't work for me i just i just hit a wall i, I hit a wall 
And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, survival, uh, stories, you know, like I'll read, I'll read these stories about the guy, the guy who's in his sailboat and he's off in Portugal and like a whale hits the sailboat and he like lands in the, the life raft and he just like is drifting and he drifts across the Atlantic ocean for like two months. And then he like lands in Dominican Republic or something. And he crawls and he's like, or the guy who goes up on Everest with like 12 other people and 11 people die. And he's just like, he has no oxygen. He's like, he's like, he comes somehow he's like, and he makes it back. And why, why do people survive? Right. I mean, I, I mean, I, I try and really think about what helped me, what helped me, what helped me, but it's also grace, you know, it's also just lucky, you know, I mean, it's a very spiritual thing. I think when you're, when your back is against the wall, that's when you kind of discover these resources in yourself. And a lot of people that have come through the addiction journey, they, they hit bottom or they just reach a certain point where like, and for me, there was something in me. I I'm grateful to my parents. Both of my parents are survivors. I mean, I, I'm a survivor of abuse. I mean, I, I was hurt by both of my parents, but they're survivors of abuse. And I can think about, well, they handed me this bad deal of all this abuse and the pattern repeated and it's like transgenerational, but they also handed me down the survival skills. They also handed me down a certain kind of strength. So it was a very mixed bag. So I think that I, I relied on that growing up. I was always taught to, um, question authority and think for myself mm. and so i started to be like well wait a second let me put some connections here and kind of like you know do some of my own uh research and but it was very very difficult for me i was on a disability check for 15 years 15 wow. years yeah wow. and i was not able to work i remember i started to work part-time i worked three days a week and i would my shift started at noon at a bookstore I would wake up at 11:30 and just just jump on my bike, no shower, no breath because I could I was so disoriented. I was up all night. I, there was so much and then I would I would get to work and I was so terrified that people knew what I was thinking and could see how upset I was and I would I would go to the bathroom and cry and I would just be and it slowly 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 was a process of learning that I could kind of re-enter um society. So part of part of what I um what I do now is I try to think about, well, what would what would have made it faster? What what ingredients would I have needed? Well, first of all, if I had gotten some information about meds earlier so that I could try something different earlier and maybe question earlier. And then secondly, like connect with the survivor movement, with other peers, with other people, because I am um, you all you want to leave it behind, right? I I, I come out of the system. I started, I get, you know, I'm on disability, but I'm trying to get my, my thing together and I want to just leave it behind. So I went to graduate school. I, I was like, okay, I'm going to get a master's. I'm going to study counseling. And it was a disaster. I, I couldn't leave it all behind. It all caught up with me and boom, I ended up back in a mental health um, facility. Wow. And at that moment I had lost everything. I lost my friends. I lost my home. I lost you know, all the money that I had spent on school. I lost the degree. I mean, all the effort I put into, I was lost. And I, I, something inside of me just realized I needed to talk to other people who had been through it because I had been trying to put it behind me. Whereas actually I had to go deeper into it. I had to really, really connect with other people. And then I discovered there were all these layers of anger, of shame, of powerlessness, stories I hadn't told, 
that started to come out. And I, I, I found friends that the bond with the friend was much closer and more connected because I wasn't hiding this right. part of myself or, the, or, or even if I wasn't hiding it, they could understand it because there's a way in which you just, if the person hasn't been through it, like they're just not gonna. So I, what I'm trying to do, the top priority, I think, is to help people connect with each other and to help people find each other. And so doing a community event mm -hmm. uh, with you all is, um, is wonderful because it, it kind of sends out a, a, a light to like, hey, hey folks, let's connect with each other. There's people, there's other people who've been through the same. And it's, it's, it's not about me saying, here's my path, here's what you should do. Right. Because I don't know. It's like, here's my path, what's your path? Let's compare when we do support groups um, we share what works for us and what doesn't work for us as a way of kind of comparing notes. It's almost like we're we're like scientists doing our own sort of exploration, our own um, experiments, trying to figure it out. Like, how do we figure out this puzzle of what what is what do we need? And we're comparing notes and being there together with other people in support groups. Some people are farther along than others. It's like a twelve step meeting. Some people are just just their first day of sobriety. Other people have been doing it for years and years. And um, you kind of learn, you learn some things that maybe you hadn't thought about. I'm not the only one. Right. It is the hugest lesson. And yeah, you, I, I think you, you get that lesson on, 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 a, on a visceral heart. Yeah. Then um, you're no, really no changing. Kidding. It's a game changer. It's a game yeah. changer. Yeah. Had, had it not been for me, because I, I come to, you know, I come to Shreponia through my own recovery yeah, yeah. journey. Yeah, I've, yeah. Been, I've been in 12-step for years now. But yeah, I came right to that moment in time, Will, that um, like I had, a, I had a new thought. Something showed up for me because I swore I was going to stop drinking every day. Right. right. And I couldn't. So I, I had the, I, I woke up one morning and had a thought of, hey, you know, Ed? you know, Magnus and, you know, Dave, why don't you call these guys? You've heard they've gotten sober. Why don't you call them and ask them, first of all, are you still sober? And then how, right. then how the hell did you do it? Right on. And four days later, I found myself in my first 12 step meeting. And it was, it, it was the conversations I had with those three men and then sitting in my first 12 step meeting in, and having that sense of, oh, man, I'm not alone. Yeah. This is not unique to me. This is not a Greg Mead problem. Right, right. This is a problem. And then and then to hear people at varying stages in that meeting, you know, somebody was two years court court ordered to be there. Another person right, right. had 20 years. And, and it was that, oh, there's hope here. Yeah, there's hope yeah, and here. Absolutely, and I, I, again, it's like it's 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 about diversity. Everybody has their own path. For right. a lot of people, it's going to be groups and twelve step. Some people not, you know, maybe right. people get help through individual therapy, or <laughs> they get sometimes people get help through their church or wherever it is, or just within themselves. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like you and I just kind of hit this turning point. Mm -hmm. It's like mysterious, and then you sort of say, "Well, how do we help other people exactly get the same yeah. turning point yeah. faster?" You know, yeah. because it, like faster, you know, again, and the reason it. and the reason we're having this conversation, Will, is is the reality 
because I have a, you know, I'm coming on my recovery journey from a particular condition that has a primary purpose in our 12 step meetings. So Mm -hmm. in the event, if I were suffering from psychiatric drug injury and wanted to, Mm -hmm. I, 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 I I wouldn't be necessarily, and I, I, I wouldn't be necessarily welcomed to come and share. I could sit and listen yeah. to other people's recovery story, but I, I wouldn't be able to share my, my suffering and my desire for recovery in that particular setting. It's, so, it depends. It, it depends. There are, there are uh 12 step groups that that's not what it's for and people, but I have met people who were able to use their 12 step group or the people that they met Mm. 12 12 step group but you're absolutely right the focus is on it's on alcohol or it's on cocaine or whatever it is and so there's a gap there's a gap in groups and it's complicated i mean you know substance use has a certain dynamic it has a certain common sort of pathways that are going on for people that may be different when you're hearing voices or when you're struggling with suicidal feelings or you're dealing with paranoia or you've got trauma that you're you're dealing with like for example like some some people they need to to not be in a mixed gender group they just need to be in a women only group with a voice hearing some of it is is educational because one of the biggest things that we want to get out about hearing voices is hearing voices is normal it's normal to hear voices most people who hear voices don't have a problem with it Paul mm-hmm. McCartney hears voices, helps him write his music. Socrates heard voices. Carl Jung mm-hmm. heard voices. There's yeah. voice hearing is part of the human diversity. Now, some people suffer from hearing voices, but oh my gosh, when I learned that, that actually the voices that I was hearing weren't some you know sign that my brain was broken, but actually I could have a relationship with the voices and maybe de- figure out ways to deal with my distress and my fear and my overwhelm and my distraction, mm. then that helped me to think, well, wow, maybe voice hearing is part of my sensitivity, or maybe it's part of a spiritual calling or part of, part of creativity. So there's different pathways, and, and the mental health issues have specific kinds of things. And learning about your issue and learning maybe some of the things that you've been told that maybe aren't true. Some people say, oh, it's voices schizophrenia take meds end of conversation right but the the common thread is finding each other connecting with other people and following i think one of the beautiful things about 12 steps is it ultimately it relies on your personal relationship Mm -hmm. to your higher power and if you haven't got that inside of you and that i that i think is really true in mental health issues as well you have to find something inside of yourself that's going to help you to find a way forward and then you know how we can share that and promote it and strengthen it because i mean i think that the real issue for people is isolation and dis- disempowerment your life is out of control and you don't have connection with other people and maybe there maybe there's people around you but you're not you're still alone you're still lonely with the people around because you're not really connected you're actually isolated right them. and that so feeling I- of that feeling of if I really, if I really shared with people what's occurring, I, exactly, me, then it would deepen, I'd be rejected. It would deepen the isolation, you know. Totally, yeah. That, so, that so that's fear. so that's yeah. not that's a that's a that's its own kind of loneliness is to be around exactly. people, but yeah. you can't yeah. really show what you 
So, so those are the two key things I think we need to focus on is helping people have a sense of control in their life and helping people have a sense of connection. Mm-hmm. And that can look as simple as when I'm doing therapy and someone shows up in the room, I don't say, okay, here, have a seat. I let the person decide what seat they want to wow. sit in. Yeah. It can right. be as, as simple as those little things. The family comes in and mom and dad are talking about the son. Oh, my son is this, my son is this. And instead of, I'm also, I'll turn to, hey, what do you think? And he won't say anything. But I st- he still notices that mm-hmm. I'm asking him. I'm mm-hmm. still paying attention. Just that little bit of empowerment and connection can make a huge difference. Yeah. Because we do, we do see it like a medical thing. Oh, this is the person with the brain injury. So we can't talk with them. We have to talk about them. Right. Even if they're in the room, we'll we'll talk as if they're not in the in the room. So the the little ways that we can help people overcome isolation and regain empowerment. And then you say, whoa, wait a second. If we look at the existing mental health system in terms of promoting isolation and promoting disempowerment, it's really clear for a lot of people, a lot of people the existing mental health to make things makes things worse. Now I'm not going to say for everybody. I mean, I, I know people who find sanctuary in hospitals or find help with their um, through medications. But we have to get away from this one size fits all, you know. Because of like if you if you sell a thousand cars and only ten of them blow up and burn people, you're not going to say that the cars are fine. You're going to say we got to fix this because a lot of people aren't being helped. Right. Well, it's more than just one percent. It's a lot of people. The entire model of mental health is often a very punitive, carceral, uh, criminal justice kind of. It's just control, and you just grab people and you treat them, and you, and that can be very traumatizing for people. I mean, when I was in when I was in the hospital, they uh, there was a, a very a deep confusion. Like I was never asked about trauma. I was just, oh, are you hearing voices? Okay, you have schizophrenia. They never asked me about my family. Those are the kinds of conversations that I needed to have. And if I had been in a group where there's lots of people talking about different perspectives, one person is talking about medications help them. Another person talks talks about how confronting their father with the abuse helped them. Another person talks about how gluten sensitivity was an issue for them. Another person is talking about how their spiritual practice. Another person talks about sports. If I'm in a group, then I can kind of like see lots of different possibilities. But with the mental health system, it's like you're on a conveyor belt. You know, you're like, you're just going to get treated along that kind of factory. It's just move them, move them through, put a label on them, give them the right meds, stabilize them, get them out, get the next person in there. And that it's harmful for a lot of people. Is there any, you had mentioned earlier that there are, there, there is a movement within the mental health world to begin mm-hmm. to like wake up and and become a bit more open and progressive in treating the individual well For we're instance. it man this is it right here we're, we're doing it we're, we're doing it we're yeah. doing it I it's mean, you is, it's you and me yeah and, and, and every moment oh wow yeah it's out it's out there it's out there um yeah. there is there are um emerging the peer respites and I don't know if you have a respite in Ben. I think I think we yeah I think we Great. do. 
So yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Pe- peer workers, peer just means someone who's been in the system getting hired. So it's a sort of like um, substance abuse and drug counselors. The best substance abuse and drug addiction counselors are people who've been through addiction themselves. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so that is starting to spread in mental yeah. health. It's not as widely understood, but because in a lot of these agencies, you work with people who have bipolar and schizophrenia. If you're a social worker, you don't, you can't talk about you're taking meds and you're, you also have bipolar and schizophrenia diagnosis. There's a, a, a like a rule against that. That's starting to change a little bit. Oh, yeah. Because, a little bit. Yeah. How, how powerful would it be to be sitting with a counselor exactly. or, or a social worker and you're pouring your heart out, trying to explain your dilemma and they have the courage, the wisdom and the love and compassion to say, yeah, me too. Exactly. Yeah. And to let's, talk, let, let's talk about that. Because... Which would, which counselor would you rather go to? Someone who learned about it from books or someone who learned about yeah. it by looking at it? Yeah, exactly. It's clear. It's crystal clear. So it is changing. To answer your question, like yeah. it is changing and there are programs, there are innovations, but it really takes us to push. We got to really start right. because there's pushback. I mean, look, the insurance industry, the hospital industry, even the drug rehab industry, the pharmaceutical companies, um, doctors. I mean, there's a lot of money being made and it is very influential in the media. The Mm -hmm. pharmaceutical companies are super big advertisers. So, I mean, I feel like we need to work together and build bridges, but they see a lot of what we're talking about as a threat to their bottom line, their financial interests. And I personally, I personally think we're not really going to be able to meet the mental health needs or even health needs under a for-profit right. healthcare system. We have to, we have yeah. to really re cause it's been a failure. It's a disaster. So, but there is a movement and I mean, the cool thing about it is that there are really innovative psychiatrists. There's doctors, there are nurses who are absolutely on board with all of this. And there are organizations, there's websites like mad in America, there's organizations like the ISPS, the International Society for the Psychological Study of Psychosis and Schizophrenia. And these are places where um, not just survivors, but also doctors, nurses, nurses, researchers, peer workers, counselors, social workers come together and say, look, how are we going to change this system? And there's there's all kinds of like activist campaigns that are going on. And it's a global movement. It's happening in the UK, yeah. Canada. It's happening in Latin America. It's happening all over the world, but you don't hear about it. If you go to Google and you Google, how do I treat my schizophrenia? You're going to get pharma link, pharma, you're going to get groups like WebMD that sound right. like, oh, WebMD, that's great. Pharma links, pharma advertising. The pharma is going to be on the top 20. And then if you dig, then you might start to find some kind of alternative um, perspective, some kind of survivor but it's it's like any social movement, you know. It's um a lot of it is fear. People want to just lock us up. They're afraid. They hear the word schizophrenia. They immediately it's serial killers and horror movies, yeah. and, and they think that the way to do it is to lock people up. And they don't see that that creates more problems. That we can have voluntary solutions. So you know, it's the the search for a quick fix. People don't have. They're not given the time that it takes to recover. If you if you get on a disability check, you're living in poverty. I mean, I was I was on a disability yeah. check. It was seven hundred dollars a month. Like what? And if I couldn't have gotten a, a housing subsidy through Section Eight, I mean, I had to scramble. It was really hard 
for me. So to have the time, society kind of has to create the spaces. But if everybody's working 60 hours a week in the gig economy, so there's a lot of a lot of forces that are kind of pushing against actually being able to have a caring, supportive, compassionate society. But we have to just keep doing the work that we can do, creating an yeah. oasis, like spaces that are alternative spaces, and then connecting with people and starting to grow, um, creating, um, you know, ultimately, I think a, a movement that's going to, that's going to win, that's based on compassion and love and caring and just taking care of each other rather than a big, rather than the business model, which is what's dominating this issue now. And also the fear that people have of like, oh, I'm not an expert. Well, yeah, you're, you're not an expert, but that's not what's needed. What's needed is just connection. What's needed is listening. What's needed is a heart. What's needed is people taking time with each other. The, the experts often can make things worse or they don't, or they give bad advice or they don't know what they're doing. Right. So what I really appreciate about your message and, and who you are, Will, is, I mean, I mean, you're willing to speak the truth about the current situation, but it's far from feeling like a conspiracy theory. I mean, there, your approach is, I feel your heart. I, I experience your heart in the matter. And then for you to be able to speak with some authority because you've spent time, you know, in your recovery, educate, you know, getting educated so that you can speak uh, from a place of having knowledge of what the mental health world is thinking and studying and discussing amongst themselves yeah and you can speak to that <laughs> yeah thank you yeah because yeah. it, because it's it's what's needed you know i mean people I, i'm not anti-meds and the reason right. i'm not anti-meds is because i see some people are helped by meds so mm -hmm. if i'm not honest so that's often like oh the you know these are the anti anti-meds people and so i always start like look this is a harm reduction perspective this is an yeah. anti-meds perspective yeah. it shouldn't be news to people that pharmaceutical companies have too much influence in the society or the mm -hmm. or the healthcare system is not working mm -hmm. these are just the realities it's like this, the reality of homelessness is we don't have affordable housing ultimately movements are based on truth and right. honesty right. and i i'm not going to tell anybody i've solved the the riddle of how to deal with hearing voices I can tell you, here's what I've learned about my voice hearing. Mm -hmm. Here's what seems to work for a lot of other people. Yeah. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what's going to help everybody. You have to find out for yourself because the same thing with alcohol addiction. I mean, you can go to a 12-step meeting and it may be that that's not what's going to help you. How do you find maybe alcohol is the thing that protects you from your trauma memories? You know, maybe you're self-medicating to deal with your sexual abuse. You can go to 12 step meetings, you know, and you're not going to ever deal with that sexual abuse issue until you deal with it. For some people, that's going to be the pathway. It's going to be different than just show up to the 12 step meeting. And I've I've seen that. I think that's one of the hardest things about our societies. We want to we want to standardize everything. We want one solution for everybody. We want one truth and we want to be able to just follow it. And that's just not how the human spirit works. There's multiple paths here. There's multiple ways forward. So I would never tell people this is the way to solve your this or, but I will tell people, hey, let's sit down and talk. I can share some of the things I've been through. I've learned 
maybe you tell me, but I've learned how to be a pretty good listener, I think, but you mm -hmm. tell me, let's explore this because often, not always, often being together makes it easier. Sometimes I just need to be off alone. I'm not going to even, I wouldn't even tell people that it's always best to listen. Sometimes you just need to be off on your own, you know, and just get the other people out of your space. So I don't, I really deeply, deeply honor each individual path. I think that's the really, the, that's the secret ingredient is connecting around each person's unique individuality because people are vastly complicated and they're totally unique. There's no, we know that there's no two personalities that are exact. No two people dance exactly the same way. No two people look exactly the same. So why are we going to think that two people's pathways for healing yeah. are going to be the same? Yeah, with the complexity, with the complexity of the brain, yeah. and, and the relationship that the brain has to every you know billions of cells in our body. Yeah. How absolutely you know, none of us are going to have exactly the same thought process, let alone absolutely. Let, let alone come to uh, the same conclusions. Absolutely. But there's a lot of money to be made saying the opposite. <laughs> right. Oh, I've got the solution to everything. Weight yeah, loss, right. here you go. Join my program. And there's a lot of money to be made, with. Yeah. but I just don't think it's honest. We have to yeah. follow each. Yeah. And it's, it's an honor. I mean, you know, sitting in 12-step groups, I mean, it's a deep honor to, to be with people when they're sharing mm -hmm. with so much vulnerability, people's humanity comes forward it's it's a beautiful beautiful thing yeah, to be it really part is part of you this and and part of the deeper work that we do in 12 step is you know there there is a a point in time where someone begins to go deep and and does an inventory of all of these beautiful yeah. memories yeah and, yeah yeah, know, yeah and they go and and it's Making encouraged that they go deep fourth step yeah. yeah 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 oh yeah that's a lifelong and then, and then yeah. the courage to sit down with another human being and share mm -hmm. all of that trauma and all of all of the resentments, everything. It it is the beginning of a path, and it and mm -hmm. and it requires that you sit with someone that I sat with someone who I trusted that I knew would listen, and I knew uh, would not judge me. Or yeah. me for because that took so much courage. I shared I shared things with this guy that I had intended would probably go to my grave. Yeah, I hear you. You know, and yeah, yeah. And so to create an environment where the opportunity to begin to open up, um, that in itself is so healing. There's, yeah. there's so much healing in that, uh, man, I'm not, I'm not alone in this. Not alone. And I'm not, and you said it, I'm not going to be judged. Right. The the traditional system, it was constant judgment. Oh, you're schizophrenic. Yeah. Oh, you need to be on medications. Oh, don't talk about that. That's going to make you mm -hmm. worse. Oh, this is not, yeah, that's the, we need the opposite message. There's, yeah, exactly. there's a space where, where you're not going to be judged, where people are going to welcome you and we're going to help you to kind of unburden yourself and explore and that's that's the kind of connection that we need i mean i hear i hear doctors say oh well they're they're in the er they're safe now no no they're not the right. er can be the, the most terrifying place of all i mean there, there's no sharp objects you don't have your shoelaces but you feel terrified 
because at any moment you can lose control, you can be de degraded, you can be forced to do something. So really, really, really understanding the safety that comes from not being judged and just accepting. I mean, that's, I think that's fundamentally what love is. Mm -hmm. I know love is not a word that gets used in a clinical mm -hmm. context, but my experience is that 12 steps, it's, it's a practice of love. It's like yeah. communion. It's creating well, a loving community. Yeah. The first time I ever heard anything like that was early on, you know, sitting in a room, hearing someone say, you know, what we'll, we will love you until you can love yourself. Yeah. Beautiful. What? Yeah. Like, like totally encounters just, all the yeah, programming. I just, like, I just want to yeah. stop drinking and you're going to what? You're going to love yeah. me until I can. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that, that's, that. that's revolutionary. Well, that it is revolutionary. And, and it probably, and, and it probably will begin to show up more. That, I hope so. That word. I hope so. It's common sense needs, to me. It mean, needs to become so embodied in our, in, in our journey with one another, in our walk. Yeah, it's a, the love. How do you put love into practice? It's non-judgment and mm -hmm. acceptance. It doesn't mean you're going to roll over me. It doesn't mean I'm going to not have any boundaries, mm -hmm. but it means a certain like acceptance of who, like everybody I sit with, and I've sat with people who've done horrible things. They've, they've committed acts of violence. And on some level, I know that that is coming from a good place that they learned mm -hmm. maybe as a child that being selfish or exercising power or dominating other people or being cruel was a way for them to deal with their own lack or their own hurt or their own woundedness. And so I can deeply, deeply appreciate where someone is coming, coming from, even though they've made bad decisions or they've made done terrible things. It's, it, <laughs> it's hard, but it's, it is a practice, making love into a practice as individual mm -hmm. practice, a community practice is a set of skills that I think we can explore and learn. And, and sometimes it means being tough. It means sitting with someone saying, look, yeah. I think you're BSing me yeah. right now. Like, come on, like, I, I want to get real with yeah. you. It doesn't, it doesn't mean just being soft and, you know, like, you know, neutral. It means yeah. really, really connected. Yeah, every every soft voice in the guided meditations necessarily isn't love. You know, it's totally, totally. sometimes love comes with, listen, bro, we need to talk. <laughs> yeah. I love you too much to just let you do yeah, exactly doing. that. I love man, you too that... much to be part of this. You know, I gotta, <laughs> you know, and it's a comp that that gets complicated, becomes right. a complicated. I see a lot of things <laughs> like the the young man or the young woman is really, really suffering. And they're hearing voices. They're in their own world. They stay in their room. They they barely eat. They and they they rightly don't <clears> want the person. They don't want to force the person into the hospital, which makes sense. And th so they rightly, I think, maybe they create a sanctuary. They just tolerate and accept. But now it's not just the son or the daughter. It's also them mm. who are in crisis because they're stressed out all the time. They're getting their boundaries run over. So how do you work with? having everybody's needs it's a love is not an easy it's right. a spirit it's a feeling it's something yeah. but it takes it takes work and discipline and effort and and fundamentally it takes i think listening and creativity but there is there is something that like we do our best and then maybe something else helps us right luck helps us 
grace yeah. helps us. Maybe God helps us. Maybe just the roll of the dice, fate, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think it's entirely up to us. In fact, mm -hmm. I think when we, when we start to think it's all up to me, it's a little bit too, you know, it's a little too much. You got to be like, well, I'm going to do the best that I can. And then I'm going to hope and even pray that there's some help here. Cause I mean, I, I'll never know. I'll never know. But I do feel like I, I got really lucky. I met certain people along the path. I got, um, you know, when I came off of, when I came off of antipsychotics, it was because a doctor took me off. He just took me off and it was, it was dangerous. It was very dangerous. He didn't provide me any support. He wouldn't meet with wow. me. I was psychotic. I went into a withdrawal crisis for weeks. I was living in a homeless shelter. I was so terrified that I would sleep. I would sleep till five, seven o'clock at night. I would open the door and then I would be up all night because I was terrified of being around. I was really, really, really in crisis from coming down off of these antipsychotics. Um, but that's what the process was for me. That's how I went through it. I got very lucky. Some people might have killed themselves mm -hmm. having gone through that. Some people might have, instead of hiding in their room, they might have run out in the streets and just gotten locked up back in the hospital. So a lot of these moments I got, it was luck or grace or, and so my, I think what I'm trying to do now is to try and how do we optimize those chances for people? We, we don't know for sure that we can help everybody or save anybody. It's not my job to be a savior, but I can try and do the best that I can to optimize right. the chances for people and then just hope and pray and hope they get lucky and hope they find something inside of themselves. Well, that, you know, that, that leads me to, you know, what, what we're all going to be up to on the 19th of May yeah, yeah. in central Oregon is creating the opportunity for maybe someone to walk into the room and experience that moment of grace, you know, that, that they weren't quite sure why they were coming, but grace shows up, you know, love is in the room and the opportunity to be encouraged to take steps and consider thoughts and ways of, of thinking and being that had not, had not been available to them then. Beautiful. You know, that, that day um, on the 18th, um, beginning at two o'clock, we're going to start, we're going to start 19th, 19th, the 19th. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the correction because yeah. it, it is a revision from what we had originally. Yeah. yeah. So on, on the 19th, it's going to start at two o'clock and we're going to begin with the film medicating normal with a panel to follow. Um, that I, I am trusting will provide a lot of questions and curiosity so that when when you step up, uh, step to the stage and step to the microphone, there will be the opportunity to 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 do a pretty deep dive with the limited amount of time we're going to be able to have with you. Great. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I just hope people really hear the message of acceptance. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people out there who've been very harmed by psych meds, and they have nowhere to go. There's a lot of people that have. Um, they hear voices or they've had suicidal feelings or they've been struggling with depression or substances and they don't, they don't feel like they can be accepted anywhere to talk about it, you know, or even just to be in a room where they feel accepted and they stay quiet, but they're hearing this message 
of acceptance. So that's really what we what we want to create. And I'm just really grateful to be invited. I'm looking forward to connecting with people. And it's great to to meet you and talk with you. It'll be great to hang out with you more. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate the time, the flexibility of yeah. even having even having this recording occur. Yeah. Took a little yeah. something, some, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have our timing and then there's other timing. So yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. That's, you know, I I have I have come to experience that if I think I'm the doer, then I'm yeah. then I'm then I'm in a foolish state of mind, you know. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we're yeah, we're all we're we're all swimming, but the river is also taking us. Yeah, I'm I'm where, definitely so. a part I'm definitely a participant. Yeah. Sometimes willingly, sometimes not so. Yeah, much. yeah, yeah. But I I definitely am not the doer. I I don't arrive at the outcomes or the results of hardly anything. So Yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. I'm really grateful for that. I really Yeah, well, when when we can start to make peace with it, things make start to make yeah. more sense. So So yeah, and also I mean it's, there's also there's a lot of suffering. Mm. You know, so if anybody feels connected to this event and they want to join and they're also like really suffering and struggling a lot um i hope you would feel welcomed to mm. come just to just to be around people and just to connect with people and and um hear and um maybe share if you if you want to and and because uh, there aren't spaces for us to go i want to i want to create spaces that people can go to when mm. they feel like they have nowhere to go yeah that's what I want to do. and that's what you all do are doing as yeah. well so that's that's yeah. what we're called to do too. Yeah, right on. That's why there seems to be such a beautiful attunement too. Yeah, I feel your heart, bro. <laughs> well, I'm seeing this incredible um painting. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. Ospreys, yeah. ospreys are our, our gen are it's they're our spirit animals. Ah, so, nice. Yeah, they there there's a there's a message in that that being right there that yeah, that speaks something deeply to uh yeah to jen and i as a couple and as partners in Shreponia and and in life so mm. nice yeah. beautiful beautiful well thank you so much for your time will and we will be seeing you in a week and a half great thank you greg right. and thanks for everybody who joined us listening yeah. to this uh, conversation so thank yeah. you all we'll we'll talk soon all right take care yeah, yeah. bye